Hello, superhumans, and welcome to another episode of the Superhumanize podcast. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. What if there was a simple way to access a deep healing power within you at any given time? This is what today's guest teaches. In this episode, Dr. Frank Kinslow takes us through the process. Dr. Kinslow has been researching and teaching healing and happiness techniques for more than 55 years, drawing from his clinical experience as a chiropractic physician, in-depth studies into Eastern esoteric philosophies and practices, and an ardent love of relativity and quantum physics. In 2007, out of a deep personal crisis, Frank discovered the fountainhead of healing and happiness, which he came to call You Feeling. Frank's seminars, webinars, and writings have introduced tens of thousands of people worldwide to quantum entrainment, a technique that quietly activates the autonomic nervous system to spontaneously and naturally create an atmosphere in which deep healing takes place. Dr. Kinslow is also the author of several international bestsellers, amongst them The Secret of Instant Healing, The Secret of Quantum Living, and You Feeling, The Art of Creating Inner Peace and Outer Prosperity. During this episode, Dr. Kinslow patiently guides me via specific exercises to a deeply relaxing and healing state, providing me with one of these aha moments in life that furthered my own healing journey and that I believe will also further yours. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Frank, welcome to the Superhumanized podcast. It's such a pleasure to be with you and to connect with you. Thank you for making time today. Absolutely my pleasure, that's for sure. There's something when I research you and your work that really struck a chord with me. And in a previous interview, you said that it's good to lose hope. Can you please unpack that for us? Uh, yeah. Hope is uh, hope is something we have when we're not at peace. That's it, obvious. You hope that you have peace, or you hope that you can get out of the situation that you're in, or for someone else. Mm -hmm. Hope by itself, it's a. I think it's a human thing that helps us survive. But it's better not to have hope, not to need hope. Mm -hmm. It's better to be at one, or I should say full. Now, <clears throat> that said, I don't know too many human beings who are always in that, that peaceful state where nothing bothers them. But that doesn't mean that you move from 
from something like, oh, I wish I had this, or I hope that this condition comes around, to just feeling a discomfort or disquiet. Those are two different things. In other words, wishing to get out of the predicament that you're in or the uneasy feeling is okay if we don't if we don't put ourselves look for that to be the motivating factor all biological life moves away from pain towards pleasure and if there's a psychological overlay of hope in there that's okay but when we start relying on that as our motivator then I think we've lost who we are and our position in humanity, which is quite pronounced, every one of us, and of course in the universe. That's is that a little too obtuse for you? Not at all. The audience? Not at all. It's okay. really interesting, Frank. And I'm curious, so instead of having hope as a motivator, what would you perceive or recommend our better motivators to actually put our attention towards? <clears throat> there are different things that we're motivated for. When we get hungry, we're motivated to end the hunger. That's just physiological. There are psychological motivators. I'm feeling a little sad today. I want to get out of that. There is a place, there is, I can't say a place, there is a perception, okay? We use our senses to perceive, hearing, seeing, tasting, touching, what's the other one, feeling, I guess. Um, and those perceptions that we have immediately impact us psychologically and physically. So it's important that we perceive something that, that gives us fulfillment, that gives us fullness. Now, <clears throat> let me give you an example. Let's say we hear screeching brakes on a car and we turn our head and we see a, a, a dog being hit by the car. Whoa, what happens? Immediately, the body goes into fight or flight. Eyes dilate, adrenaline pumps, heart gets going, pulse rate, muscles tighten, so on and so forth. Along with that, body and mind are intimately related. So what happens is the mind becomes agitated in some way. You might become anxious or afraid or angry or despondent in some way as a result of seeing that. So <clears throat> the body and the mind have an instant reaction to our perceptions. Look at it the other way. You look at, watch a sunset. Oh, beautiful sunset has that opposite effect, that quieting effect. And we feel relaxed physiologically, and we feel more at peace psychologically. Okay. Now, <clears throat> my feeling is that we, our basic motivation, the basic desire of every human being is to be free of discomfort. And However, that translates physical, emotional, sociological, or social, rather, and so on. So <clears throat> we can go out here and try to fulfill, let's say, and, and I'm not talking about hunger. That's a very limited thing. It's a very concrete example of 
of this is what you do. It's the psychological overlay of hunger. Oh, no, poor me. I can't have that McDonald's like I really want. I love those fries. That would be the psychological overlay. Under that is a, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it what we call it, you feeling. That is a perception, sensual, a perception of what we are in our essence. Mm-hmm. Not hard to do, by the way. Sometimes you, there are teachings that say it takes many years or lifetimes, depending on the teaching. This can be experienced instantaneously. And this is, in fact, what the work that I've developed. When you experience that, the basic desire, the basic human desire is fulfilled. So then, uh, let me give you an example. Let's say you don't have enough money to make the rent. And you've gone to your landlord and they say, can't help you. Going to your relatives, friends, so on and so forth. At the end of the month, you're out. Okay. Now, the situation is, I don't have enough money for the rent. I'll be thrown out on the street, whatever. Okay. That's the situation. When does the situation become a problem? When we attach negative emotions to it. So now over here, we get frustrated, angry. We might feel insecure. We might feel like failures. All of that's going on. Now, does that help the situation? Not at all. In fact, it can aggravate it. As a motivator in here, if we're hoping to overcome it, and all of these emotions are bubbling just under the surface or not even under the surface, but are being expressed, then we have less possibility to get that rent at the end of the month. Or if we don't get it, how do we deal with it from there? If the negative emotions aren't quelled, then they come right along with us. Whether the only way they are quelled is if we have success in getting the rent, but then there's the, what do I do for next month? There's the what if. Right. And then the hope comes in. Oh, I hope I get to do this or do that. Now, there is a perception that we humans are open to, and I believe have always been uh, open to, except in the last so many generations, as we become more alienated to nature. Mm -hmm. There is a perception that takes that emotional overlay that, that makes a situation a problem. It removes that or quells it significantly. And that, that perception is basically our essence. And it's a, that sounds like it might be in the realm of woo, but it is a direct perception. Mm-hmm. You can measure its effects. Mm-hmm. So when I teach a, a person to experience this essence, which we call you feeling, When they perceive that, you can see changes in their physiology and their psychology immediately. Measure them. Go to the the medical doctor, get your vitals read, your blood sugar, blood pressure, uh, 
pulse rate, respiration, whatever. Then experience your yourself, your essence, you feeling, and then go back and you'll see that they normalize. For instance, if you have high blood pressure, it becomes moves in the normal range or towards the normal range. If it's low, it moves up. I would like to unpack that a little bit in uh, a way that the audience can also really understand this. I think that's it's because it's really important what you're saying right here, not only from the perspective of the example you just mentioned with the rent. So you have these negative feelings and you bring them along. So, of course, they also keep you in a certain type of tunnel vision. You might not even see how you can solve yeah. the problem. Yeah. But I, I want for the audience to also know that you actually also know what you're talking about. I meant we started the conversation with feeling of hopelessness. You yourself actually had a deep personal crisis in 2007, which then led you to connect with, discover what you describe as this essence, the you feeling. Could you share with us a little bit about your backstory there, Frank? I'd be happy to. It's uh, but let me give let me go back a little further. I was born in a log cabin, and I, not quite that far back. Sorry. Some as I grew up in my teens, I actually when I was ten years old, I lived in Japan and I studied judo. And our sensei taught us the mind over the body techniques. Mm -hmm. And I was always fascinated with that. When I got into my teens. I started looking at uh, moving energy and that sort of thing. When I got into my early 20s, I, I found that not trying, that stopping that, and just being meditating, if you will, and becoming aware of a quiet side of me was more helpful for me. I dedicated about two and a half hours a day to my meditations and to living a certain life and speaking a certain way. And that went on for years, decades, actually. And it wasn't this incident that you're mentioning. I was 61 years old. And uh, I had poor health and migraines and I was overweight. And I had uh, huge debts uh, for things we don't even have to mention, but they accumulated, boom, they were hitting on me. And I was working at a local university as a, an adjunct professor in physiology. And uh, <clears throat> at that point, they rearranged the, the department and uh, several of us didn't have a job anymore. So now when I was working, the, the debts were so huge that I didn't make enough money in a whole month to pay the interest on my loans, huge debt. And now I don't have a job. Poor health, whole thing. So I said to myself, you've been doing this two and a half hour a day religiously, plus all the studying of the esoteric techniques and that. I was a chiropractor at one time, so a knowledge of physiology and let's say alternative techniques for healing and that. And what happened was I said, my gosh, none of that's worked. Here I am, where's the peace? Where is it? So I sat on my couch and I said, I'm gonna 
I'm going to throw out everything in my life that doesn't work. I sat there all day throwing out things. I know that won't work. That didn't work in the past. Why? At the end of the day, there was nothing that worked. So I sat there the next day and the third day. And it was as the third day wound down that I said, nothing is working. Nothing really works. And so I just sat there in a side of a, a nothing state of mind. Just sat there, not trying to work anything out. And not giving up, but just in limbo. And all of a sudden, this huge, intense peace just descended on me. It was most remarkable. And I thought, wow, what did I do? So I started trying, and boom, as soon as I started trying to, to, to get that, make it stronger or keep it, it left. And so I went, oh, let's see. So I just sat there again. It came back. And then I got it. I finally got it. Before I had said, nothing works. And when I didn't do anything, when I stopped trying, I realized that, yes, nothing works. It does the job. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is really great. So as I just stopped trying and just would be, which turned out to be this essence that, that we call you feeling now, as I was just hanging out with it, my health improved, headaches went away, uh, my whole diet just automatically changed. I, I just generally got healthier in every way. And I thought, this is pretty remarkable. And people would see me and they'd say, and this was like maybe after six weeks or so, they'd say, Frank, what are you doing? Are you working out at the gym? What, you going on? And uh, I said, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> and, and, and so I thought, naturally, when you have something beautiful, you want to share it. So I thought, I wonder if I can teach this to other people. I tried. I could. So how, I'm, I have one question first. So do you think that your practice, your deeply ingrained practice of meditation actually helped you with being able to do no thing? Nothing works again. Because it just sounds really remarkable. There you are, you have so much stress. And I know there's so many people also likely amongst our audience who can relate to that. Um, because it sounds fair, like it came to you fairly naturally after a while. And this ties into the next question, how do you teach this? So especially if somebody is super stressed out, yeah. maybe comes from a position with, ah, that's not going to work. So, so how do you get through to them? How can you actually help instill this, connect to this, what you First call it? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Mm -hmm. First question, did my background help? Yes, but not how you think. I learned what didn't work. Mm -hmm. And there's a dirty word that I, I write up on the board when I'm teaching. And I warn everybody, this is an obscene word when we're teaching this technique. And I write the letters T-R-Y, because if you're trying, you're not doing nothing. Uh -huh. You see, and all the time, every technique, every teacher that I study under, every guru, and there were some uh, very intense practices that I did, taking silence for mm -hmm. ever and ever, and all of that sort of thing. 
very involved in becoming happy, becoming peaceful. <clears throat> it was always every technique required that I do something. And when I said nothing works, I meant becoming aware of nothing. And here's the trick. Everything that I teach, and the technique to experience you feeling or nothing, is called quantum entrainment. Yes. Don't let the name scare you. It's so simple. Mm -hmm. I think we as children, I'm certainly those of us that I've talked to, all have experienced this as children at one time or another. And so it's not something that's odd or weird or almost unobtainable. It's always there. It's always there. And maybe I'll I'll show you a quick little exercise later to show you this nothing is always there. But what I learned was that if I was controlling the mind in any way. For instance, uh, you might want to look at a candle flame or mm-hmm. practice uh, no mind, mindful uh, mindful work or love or, or uh, unconditional love. All of these require some structure, some that you move within. And when you have a structure, you don't have nothing. And some, and I know some teachings, and I'm sure your audience has heard, uh, these teachings will say that it takes years to clear your mind of thought. Yes. And it's absolutely true if you try to clear your mind. What yeah. does clear your mind means nothing. So if you're trying, you're doing something to experience nothing, it can't be done. Good point. <laughs> So there we are, we're doing all this. But what happens is every now and then you stop concentrating on the technique and you just fall into this state and say, oh, it worked. I looked at the this or I thought this thought or I did my japa or whatever for so long. And all of a sudden I felt I could see where it's going to take years. That took me six months to have that experience. So what I teach is instant. Yes. That, and this is the quantum entrainment you mentioned, yes. right? So uh-huh. can, you, can you unpack that yes. for us? Yes. <clears throat> Quantum entrainment, simply put, is the technique to experience you feeling is that essence that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can discuss that a little bit later. I don't know how will it unfold for you here, but the technique is it's this was the genius of the technique that revealed itself to me. And I say that in all humility, because it was just like, oh, that was it. It wasn't like I worked to get it. You can't work to get to, to do this. And what I did was, what QE is, we go from our conscious level of the mind. There, let's say up here. Oh, I wanted this for lunch, and I got to talk to so-and-so about this, and I got to wash my socks again, so on and so forth. And then there are quiet levels, if you will, of the mind. And then there's the experience of of going beyond the mind. Now, this experience is not an invention by Frank or an invention by anybody. It's there. And in fact, the experience of nothing was established as the fourth major state of awareness back in 1970. That's in the Science Magazine, I think, the March issue. 
it wasn't called nothing. It was called something like the psychophysiological, I don't know, some big long name. It's what we're talking about here. And what happens is when we, uh, in daily life, we have waking, dreaming, and sleeping. Those are the three major states of awareness. This physiologist, Wallace, found a fourth one. This, it, he didn't invent it. It's always been there, but he was able to uh, establish it with his machines. And in waking, we're awake, minds awake, and bodies active. In deep sleep, minds inactive, and we're deeply at rest. In dreaming, we're in between the two. Minds active, illusory, the body is more rested than awake, but less rested being asleep. This fourth major state here is the experience of nothing, perception of nothing. And when you do that, you actually have a deeper rest than deep sleep. The value of a deep rest is that, and I'm sure you know the universal dictum, that rest is the universal healer. The deeper the rest, the deeper the healing. And so we're finding that this is so beautiful. When we go from this everyday awareness, which, is, which comparatively is chaotic, it's weaker. We get a lot done up here, but we get a lot more done if we go here and then come back out because we become more coherent. Mm -hmm. At this level here of rest, Healing takes place, huge amount of healing, deep and fast. If you were to, to Google my name or quantum entrainment, not Google it, but YouTube. In fact, I have a, a really neat demonstration that we did in France some years ago with a man with a frozen shoulder. I had it for several years. Mm. We did... QE means I experience nothing, he experienced nothing, you feeling. And, and it took about three, four minutes and that, I won't tell you, I'll let you guys go there on your own. So how does that work? By not working. I'm yeah. going to keep doing this to you all the time. Yeah. We want, for instance, if you were an energy healer, and QE uh -huh. is not a, a healing technique. Remember, it's a healing, it's a technique to go from everyday consciousness to not to mm. you okay in healing techniques there we're always moving energy from one place to another and we do it in various ways there are thousands of these techniques <clears throat> and they rely on the healer so you say oh i got pain in my arm it's going down my arm okay so the healer might say okay we'll put energy into the arm and we'll make this symbol and we'll say these words or whatever the healing is okay that's what the healer is doing, and that's how he's directing the energy. But what if you're having a heart attack? This is referral pain. What's it doing for that? So here's the principle behind QE and how it heals. The body already knows how to heal. The mind knows how to heal. There's a basic order in all of the universe, and we know this from our scientists. Wherever they study, whether it's biology, chemistry, physics, if it weren't for order, they couldn't discover things. Things would keep breaking down. So there's this universal order. And 
when we become aware of that, we become orderly. Now, this is not new and this is not strange. When you were conceived, sperm and egg, you first started to divide cells, then you developed your neural tube and then your circulatory system. You became a full grown fetus, then you were born and here you are, okay? How much did you put into that? How much did you put into dividing yourselves and all of that to get where you are? How much, when you cut your finger, are you involved in the healing of that finger? That wisdom, that order, I like to use the word order to keep it from being, being misstrewed as mystical. That order is already inherent. And it happens that when we, in this disorderly mental state, we heal, but we heal far greater as demonstrated in, by Wallace's work. We heal much more effectively, much more quickly when we become aware of you feeling that order that is inherent in everything, especially in, our, in us. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. The example that you, or the rather the two examples you just shared with us, Frank, so for somebody who is just used to doing and also how you were wired in a sense before oh, yeah. you discovered this for yourself, what are the ways to actually get into that state? Because I can tell myself, okay, I'm going to do nothing, focus on nothing. And I may try, but I may still have a lot of things that block me from actually getting there. So if I were to work with you or you work with someone, how do you, how do you guide people into this? How do you guide people to this? It is, it's so simple. It's it, it built into your question is the idea that how do I do it? Yeah. Yep. It's a not doing technique. So it's actually, how do I not do it? Mm -hmm. That's the question to ask. And yeah. And it turns out that's about the simplest thing that we humans can do or be is to not do. But we live in this world out here, right? The superficial, mental, and then everything out, the physical and the social and ed our education, our family, all of that. We rarely go in. We rarely... Even when we want to, we do it from this level. Okay, I'm going to take a dive in, and you go in and you come out, right? Okay, so how do we do that? Initially, and by the way, I teach large seminars with people from all over the world, all different cultural, educational, financial background, everything. And they all learn it because they come to the seminar with everything they need. You do, you're talking to me, I know you have enough to not do, to the experience you feel. And then what we do is we start on a very physical level and we just do a simple little triangulation technique, it's called, and we trick the mind. It thinks it's doing something, but when it tries to do two things at once, it stops. Boom, right in there is nothing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I can demonstrate that to you, to your audience here, if, uh, in a very simple and fast way about nothing. 
Yeah. We'd like to do that. It, it would take, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, something like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yes. All right. All right, everybody out there, you ready? <laughs> look down at your lap or your feet or whatever's down there. Just look at it. Don't look at me. Look down. Now look up at the ceiling. Okay, now you can, you're done. What was in your mind from the time you were looking down to the time you looked at the ceiling? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. You did it. <laughs> now, that's an example. That's not QE. Yeah. But what that shows us is nothing, you feeling, yeah. is like the paper on which the, the, the symphony is written. Mm -hmm. It's it's the paper on which that's our or it's the silence, actually, which the symphony is written. It's the paper in which the story is written, or what have you. It's the background. It's always there. Mm. And see, we trick the mind then, because yep. it follows from up to down. And so as a demonstration, it's there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I do an introductory lecture, I'm not really teaching QE, but giving you the experience plus demonstrating it. When I do that, I teach a little thing about uh, a little mental technique that we do. And when we get done, we're just, we experience this nothing, very simple. And when we get done, I said, oh, uh, I'll ask, how many people are feeling some relaxation? Almost every hand goes up every time. How many people are feeling a little quieter, a little more peaceful? Right? So we didn't say, we're going to do a, a technique for deep relaxation and universal peace. We simply did a simple, a little stopping exercise, which, as mm -hmm. I said, anyone can do. And it was momentarily, just like that, from down to up, just putting those moments together. And already the healing started. Mm -hmm. This is like a, a two or three minute exercise. So I think I got a tiny little idea of what you meant by this exercise you had me go through. It's not yet quantum entrainment. You mentioned that. But do I understand correctly that when you actually, and this is doing, of course, you're doing certain exercises in order to trick the mind into that state. So the more of those experiences you have, the more you can actually get connected to that state again. Because I guess it's moving from the disconnection to the connection in a sense, because as children, we have it. As adults, we don't. Way too much work. <laughs> what you described is way too much work. We trick the mind for the initial experience yeah. to remind you mm -hmm. that your essence is there, has been. It's waiting. Come on. It's like mother with open arms. Come on. Mm -hmm. Come back. And once you've done it two or three times, it becomes automatic. I'll tell you, <clears throat> if I uh, we're teaching the QE, the quantum entrainment technique. By the time we break for lunch on the first day, everyone is creating a healing event in a perfect stranger. Before we break for lunch, it's that natural. And that means they're doing it with their eyes open. That's because it's like, <clears throat> here, let me give you this example. <clears throat> Let's say there are monkeys jumping around the tree and you you like monkeys, you want to befriend the monkey, you yeah. want them to have with you, okay? 
So you say, okay, monkey, come on. And he sits in the tree. What do I want to go with you for? So you catch him, put a chain around his neck, and you got him with him. He doesn't like, he, he jumps off. You drag him back. He jumps off. You drag him back. Pretty soon, he's so tired, so worn out, that he just sits there with you. You got him now, except you don't have this live, fun-loving monkey. You've got a tired, worn-out one. Okay. So that's a traditional working technique. That's what I did for decades, right? Now, in QE, we have a very different approach. We let the monkeys go. Go, monkey, go. Then when we want them with us, when that monkey with us, we just reach in the back pocket, pull out a banana and peel it. <laughs> Boom, the monkey's there. He, because he wants to be. Why? Because he's drawn to that banana. You feeling is the banana. And we don't have to do anything. I said the mind move, or, uh, all human, all life moves from pain to pleasure. And we have this ultimate pleasure where nothing is interfering with it. Everything in life has two sides to it, has its negative and positive. And there isn't anything that has form like an idea or a person or a book or anything that is all good or all bad. You feeling is, it's, there's no good, no bad, it just is. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the way we look at life, we say, I am hungry, I am tired, I am angry. So what do we focus on? Out here, we focus on the hungry, anger, right? And we forget the I am. What is the I am? Mm -hmm. It's nothing. I am, I exist, and then this is how I'm existing. Mm -hmm. And so, with the, the how I'm existing also comes a lot of judgment, which then, of course, builds a lot of, it can be anxiety, it can be fear, all these things that then flood us again with certain compounds that then have a direct effect on our physical health, on our mental health. So I'm beginning to grasp what you're talking about. I think for somebody like myself who has been used to doing all my life to actually... Um, in this state of no thingness. I think that's also something Dr. Wayne Dyer alluded to in his beautiful book where he basically gives his interpretation of the I Ching, the world of 10,000 things which we're constantly moving at versus the no thingness that yeah. permeates everything. Yeah, and it, you're right on the money with this. We can talk about it. In fact, philosophers and spiritual leaders and uh, learned men, academians, academics have struggled with this. Does it exist? Doesn't exist? How's it? How do you do? They've done it for generations, maybe since we were hunters and gatherers. Who knows? They've been, well, not that far back, but they've discussed this. But discussion means the intellect or the emotions. And what are they? They are forms. Intellectual, emotional are forms. They aren't nothing. So you can't understand nothing. 
It, but it's the essence of simplicity. Yes. And of course, for the way our minds have been imprinted and the way, for example, like I myself have lived all my life was helpful for me was this exercise you just had me go through. Is there, and I know, I just know once this episode airs, I have some particular listeners who will be writing me messages and be like, ah, I kind of got it, but can you share something else? So I would be remiss in not asking, is there, and of course, again, this is doing, but is there another exercise that can get me a quick taste of this? I can. Uh, We can do the one where we sit down and close our eyes. It would take about four or five minutes. I don't know if you have the time for that. But the, that can be done. The whole audience can do it, and they'll see right away what nothing is, and so on and so forth. I can. The experience, the experience is so simple. It's talking about it so confusing because it can can't be understood. Uh huh. But let me say this now. I think the what we've talked about is just experiencing nothing. What we haven't talked about is how nothing and something coexist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which for, in, in the practical sense, that means right now I'm aware of nothing and I'm creating activity. Mm-hmm. This is mentioned in the Vedas. And uh, when it, in, I think it's Ishupanishad where they say it's faster than the fastest, slower than the slower, bigger than the biggest, smaller than the smallest, all of that. They also mentioned that this is the exalted state, that a human is aware of I am and what they're experiencing. So the non-experience and the experience together, that's the joy of life. That's the beauty that unfolds. It's quite remarkable. And this comes around without effort because it belongs to us as human beings. We have been drawn away the more we, the more technology we get involved in. I'm not anti-technology, not by a long shot. I'm not very good at a lot of the modern technologies, but but it has to be balanced because we're just being overwhelmed. And if you get a chance, there's a, a transformation theory by George Land, and it talks about the three stages of growth of, of any system, whether it's a a star system or a human being or a business. Mm-hmm. We, and if you don't move to the next level, you, you die. It's, his book is called Grow or Die. Mm-hmm. Um, and we humans are in the second stage. We need to move on to the final and third stage of love, the support where you unify everything. And we're not doing it because we're cutting things. That we're still analyzing. That means tearing things apart, looking at them, putting mm-hmm. together for a little use but our minds are not working on whole, the wholeness of life. It's working on the pieces. Oh, how can I get more of this? How can I do this? It's all do, do, work, work, work. So we are, as human beings, in a very precarious position at this time. And I'm not telling many people anything new. So the beautiful thing about becoming aware of you feeling is that very quickly, you start to see it around you. By the second day, by the 
second session of four sessions a day. And by the second session of the second day, we're already starting to realize, see it in the environment. Mm -hmm. Wow, you know, that chair, it, it seems like it's softer. It's more alive. I don't know how a chair can be alive, but it, and what they're doing is they're resonating with the nothing that makes the chair. Mm -hmm. See, and the nothing that they're experiencing now. And now life is being unified. On, you can't take the pieces and unify. You've heard, we're all one, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly. Where is that? Mm -hmm. Tell me where that comes together. <clears throat> we're all different. That's what I see. And we may have a single idea, or it might be a, a great, a fanciful idea, actually, that we can be all one by thinking the same way. But thinking falls apart. It doesn't work. It's we are all one on this level of oh, I am. I am and your I am and my am are the same. Mm -hmm. It's a little esoteric here. Go ahead. Yes, uh, no, and that's it's really interesting because it ties into some beautiful thoughts I've heard expressed recently, also by other people I had the great pleasure of conversing with, where this all one does not mean it's all uniform. It's actually diversity, but what underlies all of yeah. this is basically also what you are describing with the you feeling or the no thingness, the nothing. Yeah. So when we sit at home and you mentioned when somebody after the first few sessions, also once you become aware of that, one, then it's just something that is very present and something that just will be part of your state of being. What are some things that you recommend that we can do to unlearn, undo? Nothing. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing you can do to unlearn doing. Mm -hmm. You only have to stop doing. And it's, I know it's crazy. But that's the way it is. We have a desire, for instance, and then we try to fulfill that desire. And when, and if we don't, then the desire gets stronger or we become discouraged. Mm -hmm. If we do, then that satisfaction only lasts for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Our whole thing of doing intention work and positive thinking is built on that. Whereas the human being is made to have that desire and then drop into the desireless zone, if you will. Mm -hmm. And from there, now, as we talked about before, with the rent analogy or example, now you're at one. So if you get what you want or you don't get it, you're already content, if you will. That's a pretty weak word for what it is. Now, what you want to do is you want to develop it, make it more and more. More and more means what? How can you get more nothing? <laughs> so it's common. But what we do is we do nothing and we just allow it to, we do it more often. That's all. So, for instance, you might do QE with another person. You might do it with yourself. You can even do it remotely, by the way. And that's pretty amazing stuff. So somebody on the other side of the world, a friend of yours, breaks their leg or, or breaks their heart in a relationship, and you can do QE. 
and uh, to help them heal. It's, it grows naturally in us. As we just stop and experience it, there's nothing else we have to do except do it. And that's it. That's where the doing is, is to just take the time to not do it, which is instantaneous. I just developed, I've just written a book. It's, it's actually coming out in Europe in three different languages right now. In September, it won't be out in English for a couple of months yet. It's called Awe Feeling. That's you feeling and awe. Now, mm. I don't know if you've been reading the research on awe, but it's amazing. And you can say it's awesome. And it affects when we have that experience of awe, we're overwhelmed. What happens? It's not, oh, I know what to do or I know what just happened. It's, I don't know. I don't even know who I am. I'm, mm. All the boundaries are transcended. That's nothing. So that's you feeling. And that you feeling, what I did was develop a way to experience awe anytime you want based on that experience of you feeling. So all works from the outside in. You, you see the stars or a mountain or a baby. You hold that child and you're just overwhelmed. And that's an outside in. Feeling is inside out, so I've developed it. Really, I'm so excited about it. Mm. it in Europe here in the fall. No, that sounds fascinating. And awe, of course, is something that most of us have experienced at some point or the other. And I personally find it so there's a quality of deep reconnection there. Yeah. Reconnection to what? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but this is important. Reconnection to what? A reconnection to a sense of being, a sense of self, but with a capital S that is not just relegated to this skin, meat, and bones that mm, constantly feels separate from everything else. So I think what you just defined when you said self is you feel, pure you feel. I am, I exist, but I'm not, I, I, I exist, there's a body, there's a mind, but I exist beyond that. Mm. I am more than that. Yes. And I am that. And that's all. And, and uh, the last 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of research to show the value of it. Now, imagine being able to have that awe experience anytime you want. Mm -hmm. That's all feeling. That's the teaching there. And it's, mm. it's just as simple as, as QE. And it only has four steps to it, simple little steps to it. And, and it makes, and, and you just do it. <laughs> I love this. You do it seven times a day. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh, how could I ever find the time to do it seven times a day? <laughs> the total of seven times of this the experience of all feeling is three and a half minutes. Uh -huh. Just half, half minute experiences. It's just white, you know, just. It's just awe-inspiring. What can I say? There's no yeah. words that can describe it. I think this is a beautiful... There's a question I ask every guest, and of course, it, in a sense, most of the times has to do with doing, right? Yeah, of course. Yes. And so it's about their practices that most elevated their human experience and physically, mentally, or spiritually. And 
I really am fascinated. I'm very intrigued by your new book that's coming out. And is there a practice with regards to awe that you could, that you would be willing to share with us right now? There is not because it requires first knowing you feel. Mm -hmm. That's the first part of the teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm always available. I can teach online and in anyone in the States or that. I usually teach in Europe and Asia. Mm -hmm. So I'll be teaching the course and it's a two day course. It's very, it's remarkable. It's fun. I taught it in Paris here two months ago. And it was the first time the Parisians had had that experience of all feeling. And I, I have to say, I had so much fun just watching these the awe and, <laughs> and the changes that happen. So yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go into that. I know there are other questions and things that might be more important. So I don't want to dwell on that, but I am excited about this uh, awe feeling experience. I come. Yes. I, that resonates very deeply. And awe, of course, also is profoundly healing, not only reconnecting, but when you are blessed with having an experience like that, everything just seems fresh and new and everything just is right where it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, and I'm glad you're able to share that. People, Many people, believe it or not, they'll have an awe experience, but they can't voice it as well as you did. To express that as well as you did. Thank you for that. I will be... Very curious to learn more. I was curious. I don't, I hope you cannot hear it on your side. Someone outside where I'm sitting at my home in Los Angeles is cutting down a tree. There's this saw oh. going on. <laughs> I was, I guess I was very curious about taking you up on your kind offer and also the about four minute exercise. But I, I guess I would be too distracted, distracted by the noise. You cannot hear it, right? No, I cannot hear it, and probably your and uh, <clears throat> your listeners or your uh, watchers there could not either. It's pretty good, and you might not be distracted. You might surprise yourself. All right. Yeah, because being distracted means I don't want my mind over there. I want it over here. So I'm going to try and put it here. There's okay. None it. it goes to the sound. It's fine. There's no no conflict. Could we, uh, could we, <laughs> and of course I need to use the word do. Yeah, could, yeah. Could we do that exercise that, that you offered a little while ago? Yeah, yeah. It, like I say, it'll take about five minutes to yeah. develop it and go through it, but uh, I'd be more than happy to. <clears throat> Excellent. So what we'll do is uh, in a moment, I'm going to have you close your eyes, all of you, close your eyes, and, uh, and then you're going to ask yourself a question. Now, you'll do that mentally, ask yourself. And <clears throat> as soon as you ask that question, you're going to stop. You're going to watch to see what happens right then. Okay? It's just that simple. And we're going to do that once, and then I'll we'll check on a few things. And then we'll do it several times so you get a more extended experience of it. Okay? Yes. Let's sit comfortably upright. Laying down is not the best position for it. Yeah, let me do that too. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay, very good. So now let's close our eyes and just let your mind wander wherever it wants to go.
And now just easily become aware of your thoughts, whatever thoughts are there. Content is not important. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have you ask yourself a question. As soon as you ask that question, wait to see what happens. Stop and just watch. Here's the question. Ask yourself, where will my next thought come from? And let's open up. As soon as you ask, experience. What was it? Nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> so whoever's watching the video could probably also see me smile right after the realization. Yeah. And so not everybody may have had that experience the first time. Um, <clears throat> most everyone does, but it's no reflection. We're, that's why we're going to do it several more times. And then we can learn a couple of things from this experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Let's close our eyes again. And again, let your mind wander wherever it wants to go. And I'm going to ask you probably eight or nine questions. That's all. And after each one, you ask yourself, you do the same. Just watch to see what happens. Wait right there patiently. A cat watching a mouse walk. Ask yourself, what will my next thought taste like? Ask yourself, how big will my next thought be? Ask yourself, what will my next thought sound like? Ask, what color will my next thought be? Ask how long till my next thought appears. Ask what will my next thought look like? What shape will my next thought be? Ask 
what will my next thought feel like? What mm. now? A couple of questions that will help to explain some of the theory we had here earlier. Number one, are you feeling some relaxation at this point? Yes, tremendous relaxation. Mm -hmm. And how about peace? Very peaceful. Okay. So, as I mentioned before, we didn't set out and say, okay, I'm going to become more peaceful and more relaxed. It happened automatically by itself. Why? Because we experienced nothing. We experienced euphoria. Now, let me ask you about that nothing. What was in that nothing? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, <laughs> exactly. Except, yeah, there was something there. What do you think it was? Let me ask you another question. Hmm? Did you go into a coma? No, it was a state of awareness. Oh my goodness. And no, no thingness. So let me ask again. So, what was in that nothing? A state of being. Awareness. Yes. Yeah, being and awareness. Yeah. You said it. It's, you were aware. Even though the mind is not working, there you are. Oh, I'm still aware. I am. Right. Awareness. I am not aware. I am awareness. Uh, That's the highest experience. How many years did it take now for you to have that experience? It took me a few minutes with you, Frank. <laughs> no, that was really brilliant. I get it now. Thank you. The only way you can get it is experientially. Yes. Yes. And the experience is a non-experience at that. Yes. <laughs> that was excellent. Real so, fantastic. So glad you enjoyed it. It's, I'll tell you, I have so much fun teaching this course. Uh -huh. And we all do. The participants is just, just a, a celebration, a party of, of just awareness and joy. Yes, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to your next book coming out i'd love to maybe have a follow-up conversation then and sure and in the meantime if <clears throat> i uh, on the website my website um we have available uh, all of my teachings all of the workshops and that are all available on, as webinars mm -hmm. so if we want to learn qe as opposed to the off field then uh, um, there's a way to do that. Uh, yes. So that's available. And I will, after we're gone, I'll give you the, in the chat box here, I will give you the link 
to this one demonstration so you can pass that along if you think you'd like that. Yes, please. I'd love to pass it on and share it in the show notes. Your website is kinslowsystem.com, right? Yep. That's right. And where else could people who would like to learn more or connect with you, how could they do so, Frank? They can do that at info at kinslowsystem.com. And uh, any questions you have will eventually get to me if, if they're for me. <clears throat> we have something that's really great. It's a membership where you have a library and then you just get the, and in that membership, it, we have many webinars. That's things that we teach in about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. It was everything from fears and phobias to uh, financial concerns and things like that. It's more specific applications. But I also have the premium webinars, the one and two and three day webinars that can be taken. So that's all. And there's also some free stuff in there too. You got to learn spacewalking. That's and space, of course, is what nothing is yes. and walking in space. But uh, that would be in the membership. And uh, it's so inexpensive. I'd recommend just uh, getting on there and taking a look around. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Frank. This was really a great conversation about many things and nothing. Uh, <laughs> Trump's all, doesn't it? Yeah. Nothing at <laughs> nothing all. You can say about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. I really appreciate it. And I do very much look forward to the follow-up conversation, Frank. What a pleasure. As do I. I as interviews go, this was primo. Uh, You're very open to this, uh, this abstract. Is it, nothing gets more abstract than nothing. <laughs> so, and you were able to bring it around. And you'll be able to, uh, I think, through what you've done here, allow that to be expressed to your, uh, to your look. You're on listeners. They're more than listeners. They're viewers. Yes. Anyhow, you can cut all of that out. I mean that, whether that goes on or not. You did an excellent job here. Very good. So I, as a teacher, I very much appreciate that. Thank you. You're most kind. You're a great teacher. And mm -hmm. I want to recognize, acknowledge you for that. And also, I want to recognize, it's interesting, I saw the how my brain reacted to this at first and was uh -huh. resistant, very resistant until we went also through these couple of exercises. And then all of a sudden, ah, <laughs> there it is. And that's it. The teaching will never build on, on, on words. Mm -hmm. and, and you've got a whole lifetime of doing that as did I. Yes. So it, That that experience is not like a picture in a thousand words. That experience is worth nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. That's a great way to end this conversation, Frank. Again, thank you so much for coming on the Superhumanized podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. 